0: When I accepted the Team Berkey head coaching position this spring, I was nervous. The nerves didn't come from the actual job within the framework I was presented. I was nervous because eight years earlier, I made a move away from ski coaching to simplify my own life out of apparent necessity at the time to do so. I knew how comprehensive and exhaustive being a ski coach can be, and that I was going to need a big commitment of support from Team Berkey in the way of other coaches. We had a former athlete of ours at Saints Scholastica in place in Matt Clark. I knew he was hungry to coach, fired up, and ready to go. But I also knew we needed more than the two of us. Then, I met Aaron Manning, and in a short time, I knew we'd be okay. This episode of Threshold is brought to you by Solomon. Solomon has committed to a responsible tomorrow by refocusing the entire company and its operations to create responsible products with a smaller footprint on the environment. Solomon's goal is to drive change within our communities by creating more inclusive outdoor experiences. At the same time, they are committed to conducting their business responsibly while delivering high performing products with the most innovative designs. You can enjoy winter knowing that Solomon is taking steps to preserve that winter for you to enjoy. When we all act responsibly, tomorrow is yours. Check out Solomon's full line of skis, boots, clothing, and accessories at solomon.com. That's S A L O M O N.com. Solomon, tomorrow is yours. As we've discussed on Threshold, it takes an entire ecosystem of support to grow and cultivate endurance sports in American culture. But as media evolves, it's never been more possible to fill your cup with rich content about the sports you love. And that's kind of where we come in. It's our goal to stoke that growth with meaningful conversations and insights with folks with diverse experiences and expertise, like Dr. Steven Seiler or Courtney Del Walter, and Olympic star Jesse Diggins but to do it we need your support so we've created a Patreon that's linked in the description of this episode by joining you'll have access to ad-free episodes our full archive of conversations and even some sweet merch so please join us on Patreon thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode After Keegan Randall and Jesse Diggins won the United States' first ever gold medal in cross-country skiing at the 2018 Olympics, a three-year book project on U.S. women's Olympic cross-country skiers followed suit. Appropriately named Trail to Gold, the work chronicled a history of 53 U.S. women's Olympians in the sport, then tells the stories of those Olympians in the athlete's own words. An inspirational book by definition, Trail to Gold highlights stories of immense determination, while also necessarily sharing some disturbing experiences of many of the athletes as women as second priority in the sport. Clearly, pain was being felt and being shared, like long suppressed feelings of anger and frustration, found a platform to rise to the surface after some time, of being put in a bottle and capped. I found myself wondering what stories were too painful to share in that book. Trail to Gold was a turning point in telling a truer story of women's experiences in our sport. My colleague at the College of St. Scholastica at the time, Maria Stuber, launched simultaneously the Women's Ski Coaches Association, an organization and resource to women who wanted to coach in the sport, advocating for better, more equitable, and fairer access to power structures and jobs within ski racing. With marketing and outreach help of the National Nordic Foundation and some moves by the US ski team to create more incentives for women coaches on the FIS World Cup circuit, The WCSA and US Ski Team launched the Trail to Gold Fellowship in 2022. The fellowship was a grant in which seed money from book sales, combined with WSCA and NNF fundraising efforts, gave more women experience on the coaching staffs of the highest level of the sport. Each fellowship winner becomes a member of the US Ski Team support staff for two weeks on the FIS World Cup circuit. Erin Manning is 24 years old. She wants to be a ski coach. In fact, she is a ski coach. She wants to make a difference in the sport. She is bright, thoughtful, creative, immensely organized in both her professional approach and in her thought processes. She is, in a word, talented. She is also the most recent recipient of the Trail to Gold Fellowship and recently returned from working on the US ski team staff at the FIS World Cups in Ruka, Finland and Jalavare, Sweden. We wanted to highlight this great program and relive Aaron's experiences a bit with all of you. So, no further ado, Aaron. Welcome to Threshold.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to start things off just really simply. What's your background in ski racing?
1: I essentially was one of the Minnesota families that had their kids on snow since we were toddlers. Uh, My dad was a Minnesota high school league coach. He is a Minnesota high school league coach in both cross country running and skiing. And his siblings and him grew up skiing in Minnesota High School League, and then my cousins and sisters and I also did. Uh, uh, Early memories were Minnesota High School League, all the good stuff. And then as I started high school skiing, did junior national qualifiers, raced a bit for the Midwest, and then went to Northern Michigan University, where I slowly stopped racing and got more into wax tech and coaching side of things.
0: Yeah, So your dad is a pretty, pretty well-known and, and longtime coach in Minnesota high school. He's got a lot of state championships in, uh, I think, both skiing and running, if I'm not mistaken. He, he's, yeah. The, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not overstating that. There's not, that's not hyperbole. But nope. um, and, and I know I noticed that he was the Minnesota State High School League Cross Country Coach of the Year again this year. So well, how big of an influence has your dad's coaching career been on you?
1: Oh, I would, it's mainly why I'm here. Uh, I remember from a very young age, he and I would just be sitting at the dinner table boring my mom and sisters (laughs) with conversations of his high school athletes at the time. And we would be talking about race tactics and what they were doing for training and such. Um, And even through high school, he gave me a lot of leeway in helping coach my teammates, Um, part of it was just me being a bossy older sister, (laughs) but it was something that I really enjoyed from a young age was Mm -hmm. diving into why we are doing training. I, he and I worked together a lot on my training plan Mm -hmm. on waxing and he just really empowered me to take control and Mm -hmm. to do that and work with teammates and help them with technique and help them figure out why, how to train and it was more of a partnership really than any mm-hmm. other like more a partnership than even dad daughter sometimes yeah, yeah so it it definitely is completely why I am here
0: so I, I still want to kind of continue to talk about this because um you know it, it's not easy to be coached by your by your by any parent and and likewise for your for your parents your dad to coach you. Why do you think that it worked in your case? You know, is it something about your dad that 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 he navigated it really well? You know, and what are some of those things that you think that were hallmarks of his his coaching style with you and your team?
1: Yeah, there is a couple of things that I think worked really well, and I would say I was not an anomaly. I had two younger sisters who both ran cross country and skied, and we all had great relationships coaching with my dad and otherwise. Uh, I think one was he was really good at setting boundaries where he knew where to be a dad and he knew where to be a coach. He was really good at understanding what bu- buttons to push when I needed an extra little motivation or when I needed support from a dad. Hmm. Uh, he often, I something that really... or something that I remember fondly of well actually not very fondly of was in high school one of the most annoying things he could say was do you want to hear what your dad would say or do you want to hear what your coach would say and Mm -hmm. normally the answer was if it was that situation was neither I don't want to hear either Um, (laughs) but he also just growing up really cultivated relationship with us with him and the outdoors Mm -hmm. and that was something that it it was really based on. It wasn't anything new Mm -hmm. when we got to high school and he was officially our coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Growing up, my sisters and I did lots of uh, trips with my dad. So me and my middle sister Maeve would go on bike trips with him uh, going Mm -hmm. up to three weeks. At the age of 12, he and I biked from St. Paul, Minnesota to New York in 18 days, averaging (laughs) 85 miles a day and carrying all of our stuff. (laughs) Um, He did the... He, he did a lot of bike packing with my sister Maeve, and they did the Continental Divide a couple summers ago. And my sister Molly would go hiking with him. And so he just was, we had those previously formed relationships. We were really close. Mm-hmm. And it was built on trust. And that's how we were able to have that dynamic with as a coach, daughter, father, athlete.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, so you're tw- you're 24, correct? 24 years yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you know? So you know, a lot of athletes your age are still ski racing. or they just they're just trying to like come to grips maybe with the end of their ski racing career, or graduating college and not really having any options, or maybe having a lot of options, and maybe not thinking that they they, they want to go on anyway. But uh, you're pretty young for somebody who has decided they want to be a coach. So when did you know you wanted to be a coach?
1: Well, I think it was one of those things where it was really the backup plan. I would say in high school, beginning of college, almost every decision I was making was to attempt to become a professional skier. And a lot of those decisions that I made at that time just set me up for success And now my trying to pursue being a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think being a coach was something that always came naturally to me, just the way that I built relationships with my high school and college teammates. But I really think that if I I struggled with some health issues in college, and I think if that hadn't happened, it wouldn't have had as naturally fallen into my lap. I had such a great opportunity when I couldn't race anymore for Northern Michigan. Sten and Andy just really said, well, if you still wanna be a part of the team, this is how you can fit in. And Mm -hmm. those roles were as a wax tech and helping out just with logistics and organizing, almost sort of like a student assistant coaching role. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after college, I was trying to, I wanted to work a full-time career. I'm a software engineer and that was my plan, but also knew that I wanted to balance some sort of coaching on the side. And Kevin Brockman of Minneapolis Ski Club, who had been one of my club coaches growing up, wanted to start a competition team for minneapolis ski club uh... so i we worked together and building that out and as time went on i just slowly took up more and more roles up in minneapolis ski club uh... working with out there nordic and race service mm-hmm. and really honing my confidence in creating fast skis and fast athletes. And then this past spring, I got an opportunity to work with Team Berkey, and it just ended up being flexible enough where I could still work with my prior obligations at Minneapolis Ski Club and my software engineering job. And I just feel like it's taken off since then. Mm -hmm. Uh, The opportunities I've gotten with Team Berkey have really propelled my career I think regardless Mm -hmm. I would have ended up in a situation like this because this Mm -hmm. is truly what I feel like I've meant to do Mm -hmm. but team Berkey has just really sped up that experience
0: cool Well, I think this is a good place to 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 disclose that and be candid that we have to say that we work together as coaches for team Berkey um you know my title is head coach So a truly honest answer on this question is by default really hard to elicit, considering our relationship. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the head coach, and I'm, I'm a male head coach. Um, But I am really passionate about coaching mentorship for young coaches in general, and especially young female coaches. So I want, I want to get into the 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 fact that the Women's Ski Coaches Association, which was started by my former colleague at St. Glasgow, Maria Stuber, and she's now at smst two as a, as the team director. But uh, that 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 group has clearly a Women's access to coach, ski coaching and uh, coaching ski racing, I should say, and has been an important development, I think, in the sport in in the country. So we're going we're going to get now we're going to get uh, to how all that led to you going with the U.S. Ski Team on the Trail to Gold Fellowship. But I want to start the discussion of this at a little more fundamental level. Um, the 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 answer you just gave me to the first question really said that you you're pretty have pretty good proximity to the, the flow of the river, to jump in the river and get into coaching. But have you noticed in your time in the sport as a young woman, as a, as a girl and a young woman, a change in attitude towards you personally as a female, as an athlete, and, and particularly to you personally as a female wanting to coach in, in the business?
1: I, I think for me, I have been so fortunate where mentors and coaches that I've interacted with have always been, wanted have always believed in me have always believed that i was competent and with that have given me opportunities i think that part of it is i've been really lucky with the amount of resources and the people i've interacted with but i also think that i've been lucky in coming in at the right time uh i've people because i am a young woman people want to support me and rise me up and it again has given me opportunities that i male colleagues of mine at my age wouldn't have otherwise and so i do recognize that that's very important and i feel fortunate but then if you also look at the u.s professional club teams currently you can count i mean how many women head coaches or even coaches are there and so while i am very fortunate that i have these opportunities i I think that it is necessary uh, right. to just even the playing field.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you have to recognize that these are these are positions like in a lot of walks of life, but particularly in this one, it's a, it's a male-dominated industry. And that's kind of what we're getting at. So that leads me to my kind of the next question. So the Women's Ski Coaches Association, which you've already talked about, along with 53 women who wrote and published a book called Trail to Gold, in which these 53 women uh, share their personal experiences about their uh Olympic cross country skiing experiences. They're all Olympians in cross country skiing and they all write their own piece to this Trail of Gold book. And and uh, the trail that led to a trail to Gold Fellowship which underwrites grants for female coaches to get experience on the World World Cup with uh, US Ski Team staff over the winter. So you received this grant for World Cups 1 and 2 this season and recently returned from Ruka and Yalavari World Cups. So so much to discuss about this whole thing, but uh, let's start with The easiest question, then peel back the impact of Trail to Gold. Can can we just start with the most obvious revelations of your experience for those two weeks coaching on the World Cup with the U.S. Ski Team that you just are fresh in your mind?
1: Yeah. So I just came back last week and. I think that it took a while after finding out I received the fellowship versus going versus being there. It I, I thought it was going to feel like this big, impactful, oh my gosh, I'm at the World Cup. This is the top tier of Nordic skiing. It's something that I have obsessed about or have really followed for a long, long time. And I think once I got into the swing of things and was doing my role as a tech or whack or coach, you, I was just putting my head down and working and it truly felt like any other ski race. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really a testament to where U S domestic skiing is heading because I did not feel out of place at all. It felt very similar to what a normal ski racing weekend would feel like for me at home in the U S and it was exciting and it was cool to see all the top athletes and it was fun to see the very specific level of detail that things would get down to but all in all it felt normal and felt like it was a place where a US coach just would belong
0: so while you're over there if you look around the sport in general but but even on the world cup especially uh, it's massively skewed towards male staffing, and, and, and that's that's easy to see when you're there. Um, I mean, the U.S. is having an amazing run of success right now too, and the staff is not only skewed more female than most other, if not all, other countries at the World Cup. We're not doing worse with women on the staff. Let's put it that way. Oh, so, it, so, it was almost
1: fifty-fifty yeah. the whole time yeah. I was
0: there. So did so? Uh, so I was wondering. So what did did you feel that? Uh, if you look, felt yourself with Team USA in in the wax truck with the U.S. Ski Team, and you look at the female staff there and how well you were doing compared to the nations that, that were largely entirely male staffed, you know, what what did you feel? Do you, do you think that the rest of the world is seeing what the U.S. is doing with women on on the World Cup staff?
1: Oh, absolutely! I think that it. I talked to many coaches while I was there because since the World Cup they travel almost every weekend together it's pretty obvious when there's someone new and so most of the coaches and techs that noticed I was new would come up and introduce themselves and it was funny because one of the first interactions I had first day classic sprint in Ruka I was standing in the coaching zone on the last sprint hill during the qualifier and a coach came up to me as asking about the u.s team i was like oh are you a doctor or pt and i was like no i'm a wax tech i'm wearing the women's coaching bib and it was funny that that was the assumption i think it goes it it goes to show there's probably less than five other female wax techs on the world cup currently uh i know kristen born and matt wickham were saying that they Definitely last year with the women's coaching bib, they noticed more women last year than this year. There seemed to be less in their opinions. Um, I think that other countries are taking notice, though. They really, every time, Matt Whitcomb was so great about introducing me to people at coaches meetings and just when I was out on the course with him. And every time he would talk about the trail to gold and how they were bringing in U.S. coaches every two weeks, specifically women's coaches. Every coach that he talked to or tech would just be in awe and just, it it, it seems so easy to implement th- in the U.S., but other countries just haven't quite grasped that concept that not only are you bringing more women, but you're also bringing the domestic playing field up a level by introducing many more people into the coaching staff throughout the year. All
0: right. Yeah. Was, was, it, was it a marked difference for you? Did you, did you perceive that? That you, did you feel like a little bit of a um, of a uh, like, like you're a unique case?
1: Um, I, I in terms of being a woman, or yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, just in you know, we know that it's, it's a male it's, it's male dominated yeah. staff over there. Did 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 it feel? Did you feel comfortable as a, as a female coach? Did you feel like you were being taken seriously as a as a female coach, especially by the other? You know, I think th- I think what I'm getting at is that, that attitude, is like, oh, are you a doctor or a PT? The, the oh, reaction yeah, yeah. of people on the course, like, did that was that was that the one time it happened, or did it feel like that that was fairly regular?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, it was only one time that happened, and yeah. I can't speak for other interactions yeah. I've had. Uh, I would say for the most part people took me very seriously. Good. Um, I think a lot of times, sometimes if I'm internalizing interactions and thinking about it, there's a lot that goes into play. Uh, there's the fact that I'm new on the World Cup. There's the fact that my age, I'm relatively young. And right. then the fact that I'm a woman. And in both of my careers in software engineering and in coaching and wax teching, those are all factors that put me at a slight disadvantage. So oftentimes, I I just have to consider, okay, it could be the fact that I'm a woman, but it also could be the fact that I'm young or it could be the fact that I'm new in this environment. And so while I, I do think I was, I felt valued, I felt like I was able to support the U.S. team and help, and they did such a great job in, well, they had the whole trail, the Gold Fellows, last year. So they were able to pinpoint where exactly i could help slot in and help support and help the team in a valuable way rather than just kind of getting in the way and i felt like i was able to contribute a bit as well Uh, it was the first year that the u.s and the world cup has been doing floral free waxing on the world cup and the ski shop out there Nordic that I work for, we've been doing it for the last three, four years. Mm -hmm. So I've had lots of experience testing products that we were using and was able to give feedback on that as well and based on my personal experience. So that was, I, I do feel like, I feel like I was able to be valuable. I felt like it was a very impactful time for me as a coach in tech. Awesome.
0: Solomon has been an outdoor industry leader for nearly 75 years, and they see action as the way to continue to lead in the modern world. That requires Solomon to lead in sustainability. As a company facing all the modern challenges to the natural environment in which we all play, Solomon has a renewed passion to act as a catalyst, connecting the innovative power of the people of Solomon, partners, innovators, designers, and athletes to co-create the most responsibly performant products and businesses. Solomon is committed to transform people into agents of positive change. Knowing when we help preserve the outdoor spaces that touch your soul, you can feel good about the products you use in the outdoors. You can find out more about Solomon's full lines of outdoor gear, clothing, and accessories, and discover their commitment to sustainability at solomon.com. That's S A L O M O N.com. Solomon, tomorrow is yours. As we've discussed on Threshold, it takes an entire ecosystem of support to grow and cultivate endurance sports in American culture. But as media evolves, it's never been more possible to fill your cup with rich content about the sports you love. And that's kind of where we come in. It's our goal to stoke that growth with meaningful conversations and insights with folks with diverse experiences and expertise, like Dr. Steven Seiler or Courtney Del Walter and Olympic star Jesse Diggins. But to do it, we need your support. So we've created a Patreon that's linked in the description of this episode. By joining, you'll have access to ad-free episodes, our full archive of conversations, and even some sweet merch. So please join us on Patreon. So let's talk a little bit about what you think makes a good coach, period, regardless of your gender. What are some of the things that you aspire to, to be as a coach?
1: For me, it's all about building relationships, building trust. I think that you can have the most up-to-date training philosophies and you can know what all the trends are, but if you don't have relationships with athletes built on trust, you go nowhere. And it's, it's kind of the first thing that I like to do when I'm working with athletes is to just really get to know, one, what makes them click, and two, how, what makes them click? Interact like the interactions with me. How I can use that in a positive when things are going well, and when things might not be going so well.
0: So, with that in mind, those are, those are things that you think make make you a good coach. What institutional barricades might there be, from your perception, uh, keeping other women from gaining those those? those experience that helped make them good coaches that even the most well-meaning males in leadership positions generally might not consider or might not be better at, w- at when considering advancing women as coaches. I mean, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm a male. We're, we're working together. Uh, where are my blind spots, do you think? And, and where have you seen them in other people?
1: Well, I, I almost, I, I think if we're going to talk about the institutional level of why are there not more Female coaches currently. Mm -hmm. The reason, like, the difference, I'd say the major difference between you and me right now is age and experience. And you really see less than, I mean, less than five women with the amount of coaching experience that you have right Right. now in the US. There's just less. And I think that that's contributed. I we see it right now with recruiting there's less women who want to ski after college there's less women that are involved in the sport it's a very demanding sport um, for instance World Cup coaches can be over in Europe for three-quarters of the year away from friends family you're essentially putting the rest of your life on hold mm-hmm. and I think that it can be more appealing to men than women. I think that it's very... uh, If you even just look at Minnesota citizen racing scene, you see a lot more men than women racing. I think that the impact that gear has on the sport can sometimes keep women from being more involved. Um, And there's a ton of factors, but I think the biggest thing that we have to do as the U.S. right now, if we want more women coaches at the level that you are at. We have to just keep them in the sport longer. We have Mm -hmm. to make sure that they are getting that support at my age from when they are going from either college skiing or professional skiing, just keeping them involved somehow, Mm -hmm. either in local clubs, in junior coaching. It doesn't have to be the full-blown professional ski coach living out of a suitcase lifestyle, but I think that we just need more women in general
0: great so that you great you made a great segue for, for for the next question because i'm somebody who has actually chosen to be a college coach i my first coaching job actually was an assistant national team coach and and i liked aspects of it i liked the technical stuff the testing the physiology outlook writing training plans but i didn't really like the job uh it didn't sit well with me. And, and, and then I tried high school coaching, and that was a little too simple for me and too lower level. I wasn't a very good technical coach for a high school level program. And I actually love D3 NCAA coaching. So that, I, I just want to ask you, where, you know, have you given that much thought? Where do you think or where do you sense? You're only 24, but and you have time to figure this out, but have you kind of earmarked a spot where you think you would like to go in coaching and, and what level you'd like most to be at?
1: I kind of like where I am at right now with Team Berkey. Uh, I've done junior coaching and I've really enjoyed working with such excited athletes who just have the whole world in front of them, endless possibilities. It's really exciting working with those young high school athletes. Um, I can't say I've I've worked a, t- a little bit with college athletes through Team Berkey. Uh, it's a little different because we only have them in the summer rather than year-round. Right. Uh, but I really like the idea and the impact that I could have working with Team Berkey, both in creating an elite community in the Midwest and in the Twin Cities, and also just the community impact that the, a professional team would have on the community and creating a, an elite community. I've always been someone, even as an athlete, just absolutely in awe by the Midwest Minnesota racing community. And even as I remember on skis with former high school teammates, just why is there not a Midwest professional ski team? Like the culture here is amazing. I would go to national camps and have friends across the country training with local professionals. And I remember a U16 national camp where a lot of the Crassberry, athletes were there and i just was loved picking their brains Mm -hmm. and i it's just something that i've always wanted and the fact that i could help contribute to this is literally my dream
0: yeah it's great i was literally just 20 minutes ago on the phone with rick kapala the kind of the architect of the sun valley program and we talk every now and then on the phone and, and his, you know, we were talking about my, we hadn't really talked yet uh, recently about my, my role with Team Berkey. And, you know, he said the same thing. You know, even in Sun Valley, he said, he goes, yeah, it, it makes sense that that you need a, a high-level program in, in the Midwest. And it's, it's clear. With the World Cup coming, I think we all know that. So this this leads me to another question, though. So you've been coaching a while. I mean, several years. And you've had a lot of success. Minneapolis Ski Club does very well at the Junior Olympics or junior nationals, I should say. That, that dates me right there, calling it the Junior Olympics. But,
1: um, <laughs> well, you know, the sad thing is I was never part of JL's. Yeah, yeah. I was always part of JNs. Yeah,
0: and I was never part of JNs. That's a relatively <laughs> new term. But, um, but you've had success. And, and, I, and I think that that's like, you know, you talk about buy-in as a coach. I and mean, that's probably the best way to have buy-in is, is a reputation of success. And, and I think you have that in, at least in the local setting in, 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 in Minneapolis. And what do you think what do you think about you your personality and you know we know that you have a background with, with a dad in coaching but what what about mm-hmm. your personality makes that click what, why are you having success as a coach
1: i i think it's funny cuz i i'm a very calm person i don't i'm not very excitable um but i'm very very passionate and i get very i'm very passionate about my athletes i'm very pa- I really want to focus on them being, especially with the juniors right now, there's so much going on in their head. I really just focus on them being healthy, happy athletes. And that, I think working with juniors has just created a really great foundation for me, and that is my goal in working with athletes, is honestly, at the end of the day, if you it doesn't matter how fast you are, how strong you are, if you're not happy, you're not going to race well. And... I think that it was just something I stumbled upon, and it's really become my coaching mantra. I think that I also know what it takes to be be high level. And honestly, I think if I had been a professional skier, I would have been very unhappy with it because I don't think... I would have been the I don't I would never would have been a Jesse Diggins winning at the World Cup and my personality is I just want to be the best of the best and I think that I really would have struggled not being able to get to that point in professional skiing but I think that with coaching I know what it takes to be good and I know that it looks different for every athlete But those fundamental building steps is what's going to get them there. And so just being able to pull in my personal experiences, both as an athlete and as a young coach, I'm able to help balance everything those young athletes nowadays are facing. It's I know I'm able to really relate to their struggle with finances. I'm able to understand life balance and all of that because as a coach I'm also struggling with that always and I think that while it's going to take time for me to build a reputation a bigger reputation of being a successful coach because it it takes time to build trust um, I think that if I'm just able to build connections with athletes I'm gonna just be content with where I'm at right now
0: so, what if you think of all the aspects of coaching? What's the what's your single favorite thing? If you had to pinpoint one thing that that makes you happiest as a coach, what what is it? What is it about coaching? What's the one favorite thing about coaching that you that you love?
1: I was thinking about this the other day. There's been so many times in the last couple of years where I could have quit this skiing in general. Like I could have just washed my hands of the sport and been done. And I think the thing that has always brought me back is the community. And i that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about Team Berkey, because I'm so excited we have such a strong community that supports us. And I've always felt like there's so much we can give back to the Midwest key community because they deserve so much because they've invested so many, much in their athletes for so many years. And so I'm excited that we have the potential to create another thing for them to really get behinds. They already are diehards when it comes to the Berkey Biner or Jesse Diggins or Zach Katterson. And so if we just give them the opportunity to get excited about something, the World Cup, like it, it just goes to show that these people really want something to cheer for. And I hope we can give it to them.
0: So, looking into your looking, into your, it's a, it's an exciting winter in the Midwest and in the United States in general, and the and the World Cup start has, could not be better. You were there yeah. for that World Cup you, start. You weren't in Sun, but you know we've had somebody I misquoted a, on on my call. I said they were on the the U.S. has been on the podium every single day of the World Cup, and it's not true. They were every single day but the first. The first <laughs> but, but, day, yeah. But even the first day was seven, eight, and nine. It wasn't like it was a bad day. It's just but we've been on the, the United but, States. But, has been but on the you podium. know yeah
1: rosie and Jesse then in the mass start were both on the podium so the races i was there we had five podiums for yeah. five race days it was yeah. crazy yeah
0: so so that's been a great start to your season but you know what does your coaching winter look like right now where and i, I know we work together with team berkey but you also have some responsibilities with minneapolis ski club i believe so where are you going to be yep. uh where are we going to see aaron manning on the course the rest of this year
1: Midwest Junior National Qualifiers. All right. Um, I it's it's something. This is going to be my last winter at the Apple Ski Club, so I am very excited for these races. We have a very passionate team of young juniors, and it's just a thrill to work with them. To work with out there Nordic in race service, I've learned so much from them, and they've really built my confidence day in and day out in being a coach in wax tech, and. Then as the season goes on, the the it's a unique year for Midwest Junior Racing because with the World Cup being in Minneapolis in February, all of the Junior Races are in December and January. So I am essentially done with Junior Racing at the end of January, which is crazy. Um, but before that, I'll head out to U.S. Nationals in Salt Lake with the Juniors uh, and just kind of playing double duty a little bit with Team Berkey as well. We are working really hard in recruiting for next year and meeting with athletes, again, connecting with athletes. And as the winter goes on I and the junior season ends, I will probably step in a little bit more with Team Berkey, help with wax at the American Berkey Biner and local races.
0: Cool. Well, I- i've really enjoyed the time that we've worked together so far and i'm looking forward to continue to work with you and uh, you know the biggest thing I, I think to wrap it up i just want to say you know I, it's so easy to overlook but i want to ask you is it is there something that you would love to say that we haven't talked about yet about your coaching career or anything that you think is a, an important topic that maybe i haven't scratched on with you yet
1: I, I think it's interesting because I've been with Team Berkey now for, I mean, it's been less than a year. we I really started last April, and we, we I even just started talking about it last April, and things changed very dramatically for me from just, I mean, I wasn't just a junior coach. I was working with the Midwest Junior National Team and was having those little successes, but I went from training with juniors midwest junior national qualifiers midwest all or all americans to having a training camp with my dollquist very quickly <laughs> and i think while this rate of success uh, has been very exciting at, and it's been very fast i am truly in for the long haul of this and i'm really just excited to brick by brick build up this project that we are working on and it it's super exciting and thrilling now but I'm also very excited for it to slow down a little bit <laughs> so we can really work on those small details and make sure it's strong and sturdy right
0: right well Aaron it's been a great catching up with you and I, I love I, I, one of my exciting things about this when you got the trail to gold I was really excited for you. But I also wanted to take this opportunity just to like reflect on your your trail to Gold experience, but also introduce you to the broader U.S. cross country skiing market of the people who are listening to the podcast at Threshold. So thanks for joining us today. I know we're going to be talking regularly from here on out, but it's really nice to to have you on. and And, uh, and good luck with the rest of the season. We'll, we'll, we'll awesome. Be, thanks we'll, for the we'll, opportunity. We'll be hand in hand yet, but uh, but it's, it's it's fun to have you on Threshold. So thanks for coming.
1: Oh yes. All right. Thank you. That's it.
0: As a male coach, I've been lucky. As uncomfortable as it might be for someone like me to acknowledge it, being white and male in the United States placed fewer barriers on my own career development than someone else meeting any other physical or social identity. I'm also lucky though, that my experiences have helped inform me how being white and male made my professional development easier by comparison to those who are not. It's easier and infinitely more comfortable for a guy like me to ignore it. For most of my adult and professional life, I've been surrounded by warriors for women in sport. I married one. I've experienced close friends and colleagues taking on injustices, institutional biases, and immensely unfair attitudes in sports leadership, literally consuming their lives in order to change the way women are treated as athletes, coaches, leaders, and human beings. I say I'm lucky because to miss these uncomfortable truths to me as a male, to the way sporting structures operate in favor of males, is really to be handicapped from reality. I'm lucky because without that perspective, I would not be the coach I am today. I couldn't be as effective for the women it is my job to deliver at least as good of an experience for as their coach. The perspectives on this matter have simply made me a better coach, period. They have made me question daily my own motives in the decisions I make and whether or not I'm applying bias to those decisions and to those relationships. It's more emotional work. It's more rewarding work. And sometimes it can feel exhausting. And it's absolutely necessary. That said, I also recognize women coaches don't need my help. That's just more patronizing rhetoric. They do need my support. They need all of our support because Erin is going to coach champion athletes. Heck, she's already on the way to doing that. And she doesn't need similar stories told in the Trail to Gold book, nor the myriad of those worse that were left out of it and probably still hanging out there in the ether, causing pain. Erin just needs the same opportunities I had, and she absolutely deserves them. This is a call to ensure that she does. This is a call to check our biases and our beliefs of who can actually feel a fast ski and who cannot. Of who can command the respect of athletes and other sports leaders and who cannot. This is a call for fairness. I'm so excited watching Aaron's career take off. I hope you are too. That's special for this episode. I'm Chet Salma. Thanks for listening.